Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled Job Looks for the Savior. It shall be focused on Job chapter 30. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word today that you will be speaking to us out of. We see the life of Job and how Lord is reminiscing on his times past and his Lord is laboring, how his soul is tormented and is speaking, Father, about the grief that he's suffering. We know, Father, that this life that we live is not a flowery bed of leaves for you. As the song we sing often tells us, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free. Oh, there's a cross for everyone and a cross for me. So, Lord, and we know, Father, that another one which teaches us, Father, saying, must we go to heaven on the flowery bed of ease while others fought and sailed through bloody seas? No, we must fight for if we must reign, Lord, increase our courage. We pray, Father, may that be our testimony. Father, that we not be expecting to go on a bed of ease, but we know, Father, that we must fight if we must win, if we must reign. So, Father, help us to partake, to be, to partake of those promises and help us, Father, to be diligent in so doing and serving you. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Job chapter 30. Chapter 30 But now they that are younger than I have me in derision, whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hands profit me in whom old age was perished? For want and famine they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste, who cut up mallows by the bushes and juniper roots for their meat. They were driven forth from among men. They cried after them as after a thief, to dwell in the cliffs of the valleys, in caves of the earth and in the rocks. Among the bushes they brayed, under the nettles they were gathered together. They were children of fools, yea, children of base men, they were viler than the earth. And now am I their song. Yea, I am their byword. They abhor me. They flee far from me and spare not to spit in my face. Because he hath loosed my cord and afflicted me, they have also let loose the bridle before me. Upon my right hand rise the youth. They push away my feet, and they raise up against me the ways of their destruction. They mar my path. They set forward my calamity. They have no helper. They came upon me as a wide breaking in of waters. In the desolation, they rolled themselves upon me. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my soul as the wind, and my welfare passeth away as a cloud. And now my soul is poured out upon me. The days of affliction have taken hold upon me. My bones are pierced in me in the night season, and my sinews take no rest. By the great force of my disease is my garment changed. It bindeth me about as the collar of my coat. He hath cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me. 
With thy strong hand thou opposest thyself against me. Thou liftest me up to the wind. Thou causest me to ride upon it and dissolvest my substance. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Howbeit he will not stretch out his hand to the grave, though they cry in his destruction. Did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and I cried in the congregation. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. My harp also is turned to mourning and my organ into the voice of them that weep. Up next... We shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Go Tell My Disciples. This was preached in 1953 on April the 5th. We'll begin at paragraph 15 up to paragraph 49. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Now in the 28th chapter of Matthew, rather, and beginning with the 7th verse we read, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. It was the angel's message to the women, to Mary and the two Marys. It was on a, the first Easter morning. The glorious tidings had been rung out. When he lived here on earth, he walked as a man. He looked like a man. He had all of his, his outward being as a man. Yet inwardly, he was more than mankind. He was the Emmanuel. Today is the memorial of the greatest event that ever taken place in all the world. There never was a man outside of this man, Christ Jesus, who said, I have power to lay my life down and have power to take it up again. Confucius, yes, Mohammed and Buddha, many of the others were great philosophers, but when they died, that settled it. They were finished forever. They buried them, and that's, that ended it. But this man had power to lay his life down and to raise it up again. The only person that could do it, the only one that had, has ever proved that he could do it. And now, in, there's been the fear of man down through the ages was death. Every man that come into the world always feared death. Great, we've had Napoleons, we've had Hitlers and everything, but when it comes to the hour of death, every one of them shrinks. I've heard man speak and boast of great blasphemy things, but when it comes to death, they everyone shrink back. Like Bob Ingersoll, the great noted infidel, when he took his watch out and held it out to his the folks and said, if there is a God, I'll die in a minute from the tick of this clock. Then as the minute passed, he never died. He made a great big ha-ha and word and said, you see, there is no such a thing as God. But when, of course, that was only to fulfill scriptures. The scripture said that, that scoffers come in the last days and we have them. So he said, I see there is no such a thing as God. But in the hospital room when he's dying, where many had gathered to see what would take place, he screamed, oh God, have mercy on my soul. My father was a very personal friend to 
uh, no intimate friend or another to a noted infidel. And he said there is no such a thing as God. He cursed the very thoughts of God. His wife would hook up the buggy and go to church and he would go out and plow his corn on Sunday and everything just to show that there was no such a thing as God. One day he had just put up his wheat and got it all shocked up, lightning struck it, burned up. Got out there and raised his hand and cursed the very thoughts of God. And when he did, and lightning struck his barn where he had some fine racehorses and killed him every one. And a few weeks after that, he said he was walking typhoid fever and died while my daddy helped hold him into the bed. And he screamed and cried, the devils with chains wrapped around him was coming after him and everything else. And when he went to go out, he called his family together and his little children. He said, don't you go the way that your daddy's gone, go the way your mother goes. Well, that's the only way of life. I have a book at home that gives the testimony of many outstanding men, such as a great, one of the great queens of, of England and some of the other men. When they were stepping out into death, they screamed and cried. The Queen Elizabeth of England said, if I could only have, I'd give my kingdom if I had five minutes more life that I could make my repentance and my heart right with God. Another great noted man said, I'm stepping out into darkness. I know not where I'm going. I could and another great atheist spoke and said, There seems to be two walls, and I screamed and said, Just an echo from wall to wall. That's all he could hear. He'd put off the day of salvation until it was too late. Then I think of a great noted man who died believing in our Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. I think of here of, of D.L. Moody at his death. A lot have said, Why, is this death? He said, This is my carnation day. And I thought when. When John Wesley, when he was dying, when Abraham Lincoln was shot and was bleeding to death, laying in a, a place, I was passed by a museum in, over in Illinois here some time ago. I seen an aged colored man with a little uh, ring of white hair around his head walking around looking. After a while, he stopped and the tears run down his cheeks. He backed off and started saying over a prayer. I watched him for a few minutes. I was walking around too, so I walked over and I said, Uncle, what's the matter? I noticed your frame. He said, look, laying there. Well, I looked laying there, and the only thing I could see was a dress. And he said, uh, I said, the only thing I see is a dress, but said, look, sir. He said, beneath my coat is a scar of a slave belt. He said, and that's the blood of Abraham Lincoln. He said, it taken the blood of Abraham Lincoln to take a slave belt off of me. I thought if it would excite a colored man because of the blood of Abraham Lincoln, because it taken a slave belt off him, what ought the blood of Jesus Christ to do to the believer when we look back to Calvary and see there that he taken the slave belt of sin from our hearts and freedom that we've been talking about in the last few nights. What a difference it is. Abraham Lincoln, when he was dying, he had an alternative. And when he... But when he was shot there in this great cathedral and he was dying in his bed, he said, turn my face towards the setting of the sun. The sun was going down that evening. Lincoln was breathing, the blood gurgling in his lungs. He'd always trusted God. He said, hold up my hands. And he held his hand. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Paul Rader, a bosom friend of mine that wrote my theme song, Only Believe, when he was dying under, he just leaned his shoulder, head over on the shoulder of my manager, uh, Mr. Baxter. He'd been a great gallant man who had traveled the seas and the overseas and everything, and he got mixed up out there and got mixed up with some fundamentalists, and his, his message did just worry him to death. And when he was dying, he was laying in the room, 
and the death was struggling up close, and here's the real victory of a man. He was always a great cut-up, Paul was, as many of you knew him. They had the quartet from the little booty my, uh, Bible Institute down there, and they had the shades all pulled down around the windows when he was going. He raised up, looked, his, shook his head, he said, Who's dying? Your eyes. I said, raise them curtains and sing me some good, lively resurrection and gospel songs. And when he began to sing like that, he said, where's my brother Luke? His brother Luke went with him like my boy does with me and so forth. Luke was in the next room crying. Luke come in, a great big, wide-shouldered man, probably you know him. Him and Ma Sunday and all of them was there. When he turned around, he tucked Luke by the hand and said, Luke, we've come a long ways together, but think of it, in five minutes from now, I'll be standing in the presence of Jesus Christ, clothed in his righteousness. Lives of the great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime with partings leave behind us, footprints on the sands of time. Footprints that perhaps another sailing over life's solemn main, one of four long and shipwrecked brothers, seeing shall take heart again. I think of the psalm of life. The great English poet Longfellow, when he wrote it, stood by his grave here a few months ago and thought of his great poetry and what he gave to the world. And I, that psalm of life was one of my favorites. Death always was a fear. Man feared it. All the way from the beginning, way back from the Garden of Eden, man feared death. I think of the great prophet Job when he sat there that time and he knew he was going. He spoke of the great... A sermon there that we get from Job 14, how he watched flowers, how they died and rose again, how he watched the trees, if it blows over, tears down the wind, tears it up, and death, yet it lives again, he said, through a few drops of, of water, yet he says it lives. We watch our, our, our animals and so forth as they live and die, everything that has a moving being about it, when it dies, it never lives no more. So Job wondered how it was that God could take a flower and make it live again, and yet he couldn't live again. He said, Yea, a man giveth up the ghost, he wastes away, and where is he? He said, His sons come to honor him, but he perceiveth not. And then he said, Oh, that thou would hide me in the grave, that thou would keep me in a secret place. Until thy wrath be passed, thou part me of times and bonds, and I cannot pass. But if thou would just keep me in the secret place until the day of thy wrath, right in the midst of his distress, right while the very darkest of hour was, just in that great crucial moment, then came down little Elihu and began to speak to him, telling him that their flower had not sinned, that he was the one that sinned, and there would be a resurrection. Someday there would be a just one who would come, made conformable to this world and in the form of God's image, made after the fashion of man, would take upon him the form of sinful flesh otherwise, and would stand in the breach between an uh, angry holy God and a sinful man, and would put his hands on both of them and bridge the way. And when Job saw that, he was looking to the resurrection of the Lord. He saw it. Now notice, in other words, Job was trying to get this, that I know that when a man goes to the dust of the earth, he just contaminates and goes away. I watch him. He never rises again. He just lays down and gives up the ghost, and he's gone away. And where is he? No one knows where he's at. But I notice other things raised from the dead. But he doesn't. 
Then when this prophet got in the spirit, God began to show him what was going to take place, that there would be someone who would take away the sin of the world and would rise again. He saw the resurrection of the Lord. Then I love that. What I think is that he stood up, he shook himself. He'd been sitting on a ash heap. My, what we call today, bad luck had hit his home. His children was all killed. His riches was all gone. His health had broken down. Him sitting, a Christian or a believer, sitting forsaken. Man, even his church had turned their back on him. And sitting there scraping his boils. And then when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he saw the resurrection this morning, you know, he stood up and he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And at the last days he'll stand on the earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God and I shall see him. He knew he would see him in the last days because there would be a resurrection, a general resurrection. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read the words of Job, to hear, Father, how his bowels boiled and rested not, and the days of affliction prevented him, and how, Father, his skin was black upon him and his bones were burned with heat, how his harp was also turned to mourning and his organ the voice of those that weep. Father, we put our trust in thee and say, Lord, we might be in the Garden of Gethsemane, no doubt, like Jesus himself was. But, Father, we know we put our trust in thee and say, Nevertheless, thy will not ours be done. So we pray, Father, and that, Lord, we might, as it is, no doubt, as Christians, we might get to that point, Father, where we're filled with grief. But we look forward to that day of redemption, knowing that it draws nigh. Help us to redeem the time for the days thereof are very evil. We thank Thee for how fortunate we are to be living in the time of these great promises where You said our hearts shall be restored to the faith of our fathers. How, Father, even us, Father, shall be the worshippers that worship You in spirit and in truth. So help us to be faithful. Help us to be diligent in so doing. In the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
I'm not afraid.